0: Welcome to Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Rolling Stone Executive Editor, Nathan Brackett. Today, we're going to talk about musicians and politics. When is it a good idea for rock and rollers and other musicians to get involved with activism, and when isn't it? We're also going to talk about what we're listening to in the office and answer some reader mail. But first, today's episode of Rolling Stone Music Now is brought to you by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer Sign up for Stamps.com and get a four-week trial and a $110 bonus offer when you use the promo code MUSIC. We're going to talk about what we're listening to in the office. I'm here with John Dolan, Record Reviews Editor at Rolling Stone, and Susie Exposito, Rolling Stone Contributor and Producer at RollingStone.com. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank Thank you. you. All right. We're going to first talk about a shoegaze band With an awesome name called Pity Sex. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Susie, you brought this song to the table, and I'm loving it.
1: Yeah, yeah. The song is called Pin a Star. It was premiered last week. Pity Sex, I've been following them since 2012. Uh, They released this EP called Dark World, and it was definitely more on the emo side of things. And since then, they've evolved immensely their last record was called Feast of Love. That's when they kind of took this shoegazy turn. They do this really lovely like male female vocal trade-off between the two guitarists, Brennan Graves and Britty Drake, who has a really hilarious Twitter account, lots of like wow. dog and cat pictures.
0: <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Specifically <laughs> dog
1: wearing a hat.
0: even better is it like an emo hat or
1: (laughs) (laughs) lately the dog has been wearing this really funky like red snow cap I I don't know how else to describe it Um...
0: (laughs) this is I will say if I could jump in this is my favorite kind of shoegaze music because it's definitely got like a melody and a little like a purpose it's not just like pure shoegaze atmospheric kind of dreamscapes it's like there's definitely a drive to this song which I'm liking a lot
1: They don't really do the wall of sound thing. They're a lot more melodic, a little bit pop, especially in this new song. I've listened to the upcoming record, White Hot Moon, and it really reminds me of, like, Lush meets the Lemonheads. Mm -hmm. The Lemonheads specifically because they have these, like, real kickers, you know, like...
0: uh, Right, that's the melodic side, yeah.
1: Yeah, they have these pop structures, you know, but then infuse a little bit of the noisy sprawl right of shoegaze so
0: all right well worth keeping an eye on the uh, pity sex on in their their shoegaze phase mhm john you you brought a song from kate lebon she's a welsh singer-songwriter right who used to be with the uh, super furry animals yeah who
2: are a kind of 90s already kind of brit rock band and uh, yes yeah, welsh now she lives in los angeles this is her i guess fifth solo record and it's called crab day and it's just Fantastic! It's a great record. The musical references are sort of late 70s British post-punk, like the Raincoats and the Au Pairs. Sometimes some of the guitar stuff reminds me of New York, kind of early CBGB's television and, and Richard Helb, though much more kind of skeletal. And uh, just the lyrics, so she's got a great kind of John Kalish, you know, also Welsh, kind of you know, sort of delivery, kind of stentorian and, uh, you know, like, I'm a buddy of dreams for you, this kind of stuff. And it's really these kind of love songs delivered in this way. Like, they're, you know, it's very sweet and very uh, sort of pointed and sweet at the same time. And these kind of guitars hurk and jerk back and forth. And, and I love uh, the song
0: you pulled out, um, uh,
2: Wonderful. That's kind of the rocker. You know, yeah, it kind of comes out of there. And there's other ones that are a little less like that. But yeah, it's, it has a saxophone on it, which is very post-punk saxophones. It's kind of blare at the it's sort of in the middle.
0: I and hear it, a little stereo lab here, too. Like, she kind of reminds me of, like, Letitia Stadia. Yeah. yeah. And what's the rest of the album like? This, you're, you're saying this is the most rocking song? This
2: sort of is. The rest of them go to different places, I guess, but they're, they're of a piece. you know. She uh, is a funny songwriter in a certain sense. Some of the lyrics are kind of like, I've been trying to make sense of this since she's talking about a relationship, putting a very, very fine point on some of this romantic stuff in a kind of conversational, but also sort of detached kind of way. It's a fun delivery she has.
0: All right. So we'll, we'll look forward to the full album coming out. And then uh, the last song is is just, like, one of the most, like, fun hip-hop songs I've heard in a long time. Broccoli by uh, Dram. John, do you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, or? it's just
2: one of these really great euphoric screwball kind of hip-hop songs. It kind of recalls the Bismarck key. Euphoric, absurdist kind of hip-hop. It's this guy Dram, who is a Virginia rapper who had a hit a couple years ago with a song called Cha Cha Well,
0: actually let's let's stop for a minute because that's yeah. worth talking about. Like yeah. Cha Cha like was definitely a hit a couple years ago, and a lot of people talk about how Drake kind yes. of almost like remixed Cha Cha yeah. uh, for Hotline Bling.
2: I mean this this sort of loungy little bit in Hotline Bling that kind of reminds you, actually it's funny you brought up stereo lab. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, it kinda of reminds me. It's that's comes from this, and it's very reference or even kind of some upset a ripoff of this cha-cha song. This song is definitely kind of like a post-I'm Famous song, and it's, you know, with hip-hop so so often, it's like, oh, you know, I'm rich, and it's such a drag to have an airplane made of elephant ivory. In this case, it's like, I'm rich, I'm gonna get out there, and I'm gonna spend money. I'm gonna... There's one great line where he talks about eating off of square plates, and the looks he gets in the restaurants, and stuff like that, and like, I'm gonna go and <laughs> blow ten grand right, and I'm gonna light it on fire. And it's just this sort of incredible enthusiasm for this moment, and it's got a kind of great piano flute kind of, loop. it's almost like a brunch kind of element to it. It's like trap music but you could you know sunday morning trap music
0: it's, just it's like a, a, a great a, song <laughs> it's it's like a great summer song and i'm glad that drams having his moment
2: God damn.
0: There's maybe a little bit of bitterness when Hotline right, Bling right. was, Time was, was like the biggest the, song you know, in the world. Yeah. It still practically is one of the biggest songs in the world. Yeah. And Dram was playing in some Toronto club some that night and went on social media saying, I'm feeling a little bittersweet about this. Yeah, but, but history has na-
2: not passed him by. This is no. a great song, yeah.
0: And it's always a good message to get there about broccoli yeah. out there. Only so many hip hop songs about broccoli. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Zuzi Exposito, thanks for coming. Thank you. John Dolan. Thank you. Thank you. You know, these days you can get practically everything on demand, like this podcast, music, digital magazines, just about anything. So why are you still making time-consuming trips to the post office when you can get postage on demand with stamps.com? With stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. If you have your own business, maybe your own record label, perhaps a magazine you're starting, (laughs) or a website, I would sign up for Stamps.com and use the promo code MUSIC for this special offer. You get a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. None of those old-school scales with, like, the weights on one side involving ink and all that. So go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in MUSIC. That's as in Rolling Stone Music Now. You'll be showing some love for us and you'll be happy with it. Come on up for the rise. Come on up and lay your hands and Come on up And that was Bruce Springsteen performing The Rising. We're playing that because Bruce Springsteen was just in the news for canceling a show in North Carolina in response to the state's new LGBT law. Uh, and the reason we're talking about that is that we're gonna talk about a pretty huge issue. Musicians and activism and politics, and when should rockers and other musicians get involved with politics and when they shouldn't? Does it work? Does it not work? When does it work? <laughs> and to talk about this, I have Patrick Doyle, associate editor. Hi. I have Tessa Stewart, who's a staff writer for RollingStone.com, who covers politics and national affairs. Hello. And I have John Dolan, contributing editor at Rolling Stone and record reviews editor. Hey. Hey. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. So, um, Patrick, can you tell me a little bit about just the basic facts of what happened with Bruce yeah. to, to kick things off?
3: Well, Bruce was supposed to play in um, Greensboro, North Carolina, and he uh, canceled the show very shortly before it was supposed to happen because he didn't agree with uh, basically a law called HB2, which is known as the bathroom law, which, among other horrible things, sort of says that uh, transgender people need to go back to using the bathroom that is on their birth, you know, that on their, their original birth certificate, birth certificate. right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Bruce canceled the show completely, uh, took a big financial hit, wrote a letter on his website explaining his reasoning of why he was canceling the show, and it's it sort of set off a huge ripple in the music
0: industry. A lo- was,
3: and it was huge national news. I
0: mean, it was so, all over the New York Times. Yeah, it was a huge story,
3: and a lot of people followed. Ringo Starr came after that, canceling. You know. Duran Duran went ahead and played their show, but they um, had to. They did certain thing. Mumford and Sons
0: did. So did Duran Duran change their show, or did they take any flack? Th- they did. They
3: t- they met uh, with a group. That basically, there's a, a there are some groups that say you you should come and play our, our uh, state because you need to use your voice to speak out on the issue, and they sort of view it as sort of cowardly to you know not play the show and move on. Right. So Duran Duran met with one of those groups who basically. Suggested that they donate a lot of the proceeds of the show to lobbying against this bill. Right. And then um, met with certain groups and things like that. So uh, basically, there's a big controversy right now. You know, Pearl Jam have a show coming out in a couple days, and they still haven't said anything of what they're going to do. So
0: I guess maybe we'll know by the time this podcast airs. Yeah, I guess we will. Yeah. (laughs) Check RollingStone.com for the latest updates. But I, I mean, this is a huge issue because this is something where. People get, I I won't say passionate, but they definitely, people have opinions about whether musicians or celebrities in general, but especially musicians should get involved in politics. Some people have a real visceral negative reaction against it. Some people have a positive reaction. Tessa, from your perspective as someone who covers politics and like national affairs, when do you think it works? When doesn't it?
4: I think that it works for raising consciousness about the issue. I don't know how much of a hit it'll give the economy in the area where Bruce Springsteen was supposed to play or Jimmy Buffett or Ringo Starr or whoever all, these people who were who were boycotting it. Right. And there and there are people who take the other tack like um, against me Laura Jane Grace said she was going to play and uh, said the band was going to play and and Brandy Carlisle and Cindy Lauper. And just
0: to all, jump in t- right. sorry to interrupt but uh, Laura Jane Grace is a LGBT mm-hmm. star herself. she used she's to be a trans. Uh, yeah, trans. she's a trans and she used to be uh, in is she still with uh, against me? I actually yeah. yeah yeah still against me yeah, yeah but and so so she has a special perspective on this obviously. right
4: yeah. right so she she transitioned pretty publicly um, and so there are people that are coming out and saying we're gonna donate the proceeds from our shows to LGBT organizations in North Carolina so I think that there y- you can see it go either way but to to go back to my original point I think that what it does what Bruce Springsteen canceling a show there does is start the dialogue, start a national dialogue about it, um, which I do think is really important.
2: It's kind of like, as I was saying, sort of a a trend that began. um, You know, I think one of the first ones was, recently at least, was Stevie Wonder after the Trayvon Martin decision Mm -hmm. said, I'm not going to play any state with a... The law, the open... Stand your ground. Yeah, stand your your ground. ground. Um, in Florida. Yeah, Florida especially, which is a huge market for music, and it's a a beloved American figure saying, I'm not going to go to your state. Um, Wilco had the same thing. They passed a religious liberty law in Indiana, and Wilco said we weren't going to play a show there. Then I guess they sort of modified it a little, and they said, okay, we'll go back. Then there's Brian Adams recently in Mississippi said, right after the Springsteen thing, actually, they have another religious liberty law, and uh, he said, I'm not going to play there. So it's something that a lot of musicians have decided to do and it's I think Arizona. you're right yeah it, what happened in Arizona was it who was uh, what, well, Kanye and yeah. uh, a lot of people um,
3: Connor
0: Ober Sonic Youth yeah. like um, Zach
4: De La Rocha really led that effort in Arizona mm-hmm. right the um, rage against the machine
0: and I feel like all of them succeeded to different degrees well, I mean, but I feel like when it does succeed just, just to jump in it feels like when they do succeed, it, it turns a state almost into, like, South Africa during apartheid. No, that's exactly that's, what was, that's what, yeah.
2: exactly true. It's, like, it just sort of, it's you know, the governor's not going to wake up and go, oh, geez, we got to reverse this law. Let's call an emergency session and get everyone in there. The boss is mad. But I think there is a sense of just feeling like, you know, if you want to be part of the American conversation culturally, if you want to be part of American life in your state, like, we're going to pull out. You know, we're not going to be part of, uh, we're not going to, you know, really include you in the conversation everyone else is having. You're going to be an anathema. And I think that is, I think, in some places it matters more than others but I think it's—I I think it seems like it's being effective. It does suggest sort of like a little bit of a tipping point sometimes. The Springsteen thing is a good example. It's like now the governor's is saying well, he wants to have a conversation about it and sort of drawing it, stepping back a little bit, and who knows what will actually happen, but it's a powerful statement, I think, and, it, and, and, and can have real impact, even if it doesn't actually reverse the law or change the law.
3: Every, everybody keeps saying that Bruce, you know, the people who are opposed to what he did, they are saying that he should have just used the stage as a platform to speak about it, but... Every show, I mean, since the Born in the USA tour, he's spoken for, you know, yeah, local exactly. charity. Yeah. It wouldn't have had the impact that it did. I,
4: th- I think one other way that you've seen it really have an impact is in South Carolina, where the governor, Nikki Haley, has said that she won't be considering, like, a similar law there because she thinks it's such a bad idea. Um, and that and she really came out and said that after springsteen started this conversation so that's
0: a really concrete accomplishment yeah. and that's yeah. the kind of state where they would do it pretty
2: quick you know it's a kind of interesting like culturally that would be at risk um, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely
0: well, well let's let's take a minute and, and go into a little bit of the history of, of musicians or you know i should say major musicians being right. activists and, and look at kind of how successful they've been over the past john you and i were talking a little bit about some of the most famous examples like can you mention some of the i think the First big example was the there was a concert in the late seventies. No nukes. People like yeah. James
2: Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, Springsteen played at that as well. It was for an organization called Musicians United for Safe Energy. Right after the Three Mile Island disaster. Yeah, and that was to raise awareness and raise money. And then, of course, obviously, We Are the World, which was basically an act of a generous act of kind of you know the, getting all these people together to sort of raise money. And that was kind of followed interestingly because you know it was by this like you mentioned Sun City, which was supposed to be a little more pointed. It was it was the sort of birth of this I think where it was like. Musicians were going to the to Sun City, a big casino, kind of a Vegas, where they would like, you know, bring in musicians, and all these musicians got together. It was organized by Steve Van Zandt and um, Arthur Baker, a producer, pro- uh, organized it and got. Well actually
0: of, is in the E Street Band? Right, exactly. And so, and, got, you know, yeah. got.
2: Uh, soul musicians and new hip-hop musicians, and and also rockers. Dylan was involved. Um, Ringo Starr was involved. You kind of see the echoes of now, and sort of recorded this song called Ink and a Place on City, which was a pretty big single. It got into the top 40. It even did better overseas, and it sort of was just putting pressure on the government there, and it was part of this broader... A cultural boycott of of South Africa that the Af- African National Congress had declared, which was Nelson Mandela's blanket sort of tent group, had declared a sort of a, a cultural boycott and sort of trying to get everyone to stay out. Um, the most notable exception of people who didn't stay out was Paul Simon, who recorded Graceland there.
0: Right. But I would it, actually, you know what? I would add. You you did a nice rundown of the major instances of this, except I would add one more: the uh, concert for Bangladesh. It the, was the, also uh, more kind Harrison of like raising did awareness did and, and raising 70s. money.
2: There's no real sort of like I don't think it, I don't think it had much to you, do with pressuring the Government of, you know what I mean? Oh,
0: interesting. You're right. It's sort of was a, a pure benefit. Yeah, it was a benefit for, for basically. Like, you know, yeah, I
2: think one of the biggest moves, and you talk about sort of the efficacy of these things and whether you know, is making it specific. You know, not just like a concert against depression, but like really. Picking something that happens somewhere and saying I can specifically use my clout like you just say economic clout in this case of Springsteen where your, your town's going to lose money if I don't come it's but sort of being very specific of a specific issue a specific sort of uh, piece of legislation, which is kind of new for rock activism, because I think going back to the 60s and 70s and 80s, it was often tended to be kind of, you know, live aid,
0: you know, well, I mean, Tessa, from your perspective, like more of a political perspective, when do you think musicians aren't effective as as activists? Or Patrick, I'll throw it open to the group.
3: Well, I mean, there's been people like Neil Young who have dedicated their whole, you know, recent, uh, last decade of their career to entire albums of, of uh, you know, whether it's Monsanto years or, you know, a whole album about his, you know, electric car and things like that. And and that can, when that starts to, sort starts to dominate the artistic message, it can be sort of... But then there's the Dixie I, Chicks. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know... Right. Right. D-
0: I would say, from my perspective, often when musicians have to do a lot of spokesperson... Yeah, type activity like often. If, if there are yeah. some musicians who can kind of pull it off, I mean, like Bono is someone who obviously is pointed at a lot as someone who goes to like the Davos conference and can talk about a goes lot of the issues. Right. Yeah. yeah, not right. every musician is as learned as Bono about the issues, and often, like, as you say, you know, people were saying. To Bruce Springsteen, maybe you should have just played the show and spoken on stage about it. Often musicians don't sound great they, when they sound yeah. speak on stage. They often, you know, they're talking from an emotional perspective mm-hmm. and not all, don't always have the it's, command of the issues. I'm I'm not I'm speaking kind of in broad right. terms.
2: Well, what Patrick pointed out is really good at this sort of symbolism of Springsteen going like this one's for the governor. You know, it's like well he's done that exactly for 30 years or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't really have the impact. It wouldn't have made news. It would have made not even it would have mentioned. It would have been mentioned in the concert review. Yeah, like he also sort of. Made But it would would have had no impact at all. This thing clearly made some kind of, at least symbolic, but maybe even actual, sort of actual difference in changing people's opinions.
4: I was just going to say, to answer your question, I think that one of the ways they're less effective is in political endorsements. Bernie rolled out this list of like 150 musicians that were supporting him, and a lot of them were really high-profile people, but I don't think very many people are like, oh, if...
0: The Ezra Koenig yeah, yeah, exactly. swung the yeah, Vampire yeah. Weekend vote. Well, like, grizzly Bear for, played like, a thing yesterday, in right. It's
2: like, well, he's got the Grizzly Bear vote. Okay? Yeah. So he's <laughs> good to go.
4: And maybe they're turning people out. Maybe like people are excited to see Grizzly Bear's first show. I like was sure. actually yes. at that yes, rally
0: know. in Prospect Park, and a lot of the people there looked like Grizzly Bear fans. <laughs> yeah. wow. so like uh, there might have been <laughs> yeah. some overlap, or maybe they just turned out for for Bernie because they <laughs> wanted to see Grizzly for? Bear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Because um, I think if anything, the only thing maybe it shows when when musicians endorse specific candidates is like in the case of Bernie it shows that like he often had he has a lot of younger musicians or musicians with younger appeal or more uh, i don't want to say it, like hipster appeal or more alternative appeal so maybe i could see why maybe college campuses might respond to that like oh the kind of the bands i like and respond to more of them like Bernie, as opposed to like if you look at uh, Hillary Clinton's musician supporters, it's mm-hmm. like Katy Perry and Demi Lovato, a little more mainstream. And yeah.
4: the caveat there is that I do think that Killer Mike has been a really mm-hmm. effective surrogate for Bernie, especially because he has struggled to to get black voters turning out for him, and I think that Killer Mike has done a lot of outreach on his behalf that's been really effective, and he's been a consistent uh, presence on the campaign trail and. Bernie, Killer Bernie, Mike of,
0: uh, of, of Run the teams. Jewels, and yeah, yeah and, and Bernie uh, introduced yeah. him
4: at Coachella this weekend. Uh-huh. Um, there, he, there was like a video introduction from Bernie for Run the Jewels' performance at Coachella, which I think is Pretty like awesome. really good for Bernie to have that kind of exposure.
0: For sure, and
4: like brand alignment, I guess.
0: For right. sure, and, and Killer Mike has really put in the legwork for sure, yeah, as you say. Like, I mean, he's, he's very focused and and given a lot of speeches, and obviously, he's up on most of the issues. Yeah.
3: Well, um, I, I was thinking about something I did a story about a couple years ago with the West Memphis Three. As far as musicians oh, totally, getting behind yeah. a cause and it being successful, because Eddie Vedder and you know, and Johnny Depp, but also um, Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks, all got behind these three teenagers who were put away for 20 years, um, and you know, music that they listened to was used against them, and you know, people thought they were involved in like satanic rituals and stuff. But then. Natalie Maines played a huge part in In actually uh, she wrote a blog post and the father uh, of one of these kids who were, the Paradise Lost films sort of suggested he was involved. Uh, he basically had to give a deposition that contradicted what he had said years earlier and got these guys out of out of jail. So that I thought was a you know very successful situation.
0: Right so it seems to be like the consensus in, among our expert panel is that musicians tend to do better when they're when they have a very focused issue, maybe raising awareness about very targeted issues, maybe raising money if you can include that. Yeah, that that would help. But perhaps endorsements not so much. Conc- Concert for Bangladesh didn't make
3: anything, and they 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 didn't know where
0: the money was going, and and right. that.
2: yeah, that was a criticism of Live Aid too. Remember, it was kind of like it was after they realized like all this huge it was in the U.S. and England it was this massive event, but it ended up raising very little because just the logistics of putting it on were so expensive, I think. Right. And there have
0: been a lot of issues. I, I can remember, you know, with Wyclef Jean of the Fugees. You know, he was very active after the earthquake in Haiti, and but then there was a controversy about how much of his charity's money. Went to uh, the actual victims, right. um, and so yeah, often it, we find that like rock stars or pop stars and like finances and right. budgets yeah. sometimes <laughs> not not don't mix. This, this yeah, is a demographic exactly. of people who are known for spending a lot of money, <laughs> and sometimes fundraising is not their forte for play for people other than themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to put this nicely, yeah, it's, it's well said, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well is there anything we didn't cover? Are there any like spectacular successes or failures with musicians uh in political causes or activism that we, we didn't throw in? I mean, it backfired against the Dixie Chicks big time. You know, back
3: in 2003, when they spoke out against President Bush, and and, and they lost lost of sponsorships
2: and ticket sales went way down. And they kind of changed um, their whole career. You know, they yeah. decided, oh no, now we're this kind of alternative like country band, a little more folky. It's like it was a it was a real interesting. You're right. Like it sort of changed the trajectory of their entire. You know, the, 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 it's hard to almost imagined her being such a West Memphis Three person, actually, if she hadn't kind of fallen off the yeah. sort of track with Nashville. Yeah. It sort of just made their whole life, their whole sort of artistic life different. Yeah.
4: There was just one other example that I thought of. Um, last month, SeaWorld announced that they were going to stop breeding orcas in captivity. And I don't know if this is really about the musicians who boycotted performances at SeaWorld because SeaWorld um, was hosting a lot of concerts and there were a bunch of musicians bare naked ladies Martina McBride Cheap Trick Trisha Yearwood Willie Nelson Part that all canceled performances at SeaWorld but I think it was more directly tied to blackfish to the documentary yeah. right. um, a lot of musicians canceled their performances after that
0: but I feel like the musicians came out right yeah but I feel like the musicians canceling were kind of like the North Carolina thing a sign that like okay this is beyond the pale this is something that if you care about if you're a part if, of the culture naked life, ladies won't take a payday <laughs> <laughs> they
2: need the money you know it's like they don't want to go it's like we better do something about this and I, it, And I
4: think the economic impact for SeaWorld was probably big, like that those concerts bring in a lot of people to to their facility. And it was probably a a material impact for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Well, then we'll leave it at that. So uh, Patrick Doyle. Thanks. Tessa Stewart. Thank you. John Dolan. Thanks. Thanks for coming. You bet. That was The Who's Baba O'Reilly. And The Who are one of many, many huge rock acts uh, who may be playing out in a field in Indio, California in what looks to be the biggest classic rock concert ever. Jason Newman from RollingStone.com is here to tell us uh, a little more about this. Jason, can you say what's happening here?
5: Yeah, so it's either the death knell of classic rock or the greatest night in classic rock history. So you have uh, Rolling Stone's Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Roger Waters, and The Who all are in talks. It has not been confirmed yet, but all in talks to do a Coachella-type three-day festival. So it would be two acts over three days each um, in the same area as Coachella run by Golden Voice and AEG. And they are in the works. Neil Young's manager has confirmed that at least Neil is is in, um, and we're all kind of waiting uh, for. He,
0: Neil Young's manager Elliot Roberts right. was the one who kind of spilt the beans. This right. Is the, you're right, he was one of he, he, to, he, to he, Billboard. Uh, we should give them credit. Uh,
5: Billboard and Los Angeles Times both. Right. The, uh, he he's the only one to go on the record and say this is actually happening. Right. Um, but I think, as to the best of everyone's knowledge, everything is still kind of in the works. But it seems like uh, it's a go if all the the money
0: is right for it, everyone. It's, it's looking pretty serious. Yes, right. and uh, it just looks like it could happen. So, needless to say, this set the rock world and the classic rock world <laughs> right. buzz and a Twitter over yes. the weekend. We're going to answer some reader mail about this and maybe get at some of the kind of questions having to do with this. Okay, here, here's a question from uh, JD Jr., or a comment. G., I wonder how many face value tickets will be available for "quote unquote" normal buyers when the electronic ticket window <laughs> opens. Okay, well that kind of gets at the sixty-four dollar question, uh, or maybe the, the much higher value question. Right. What are tickets going to be for this? Are, are you ready to venture a guess?
5: I am. I have I have thought long and hard about this over the weekend since I don't do much else, and I I'm putting it at about uh, eight or nine hundred dollars for the wow. three days. That's what I'm guessing. I think. With the economics involved of bringing all these guys together, I just don't see feasibly how you even go anything less than you know six or seven hundred for a regular ticket. The thing with this, though, is that because a lot of the fans of a lot of these bands are a little older, and Have a little more income. My guess is you're going to see a huge ton of all these VIP packages, Cabana packages, these giant be the, the, pool the,
0: pa- packages, RV packages. The mothers of all golden circles. Yeah. So yeah. you're
5: going to probably gonna see these like these price points where it starts at a certain level, but then just like any other festival, but just on steroids, you're going to see these like probably you know five or six thousand dollar packages where you get all-inclusive, everything. You know, they know who their audience the, is. On this, this demographic
0: film. is kind of the, the concert sweet spot. Like, right. these are the people, you know, the Stones are infamous for offering, you know... <laughs> well, they're, <laughs> they're, really they're, nice they're, okay. they're well-known for making sure their tickets are being sold for the market value. Sure. They're uh, they're capitalists. Yes. <laughs> the Stones fans tend to be well-heeled people these days or right. people in their prime earning years uh, who are willing to pay... $250, right. 350 $450 for a ticket. And,
5: and by all accounts, this is not going to be a tour of any kind. This will be, you know, the one three-day weekend you'll be able to see all of these acts together. So, you know, they'll definitely be hyping this as a global destination spot for rock fans around the world to travel as sort of this classic rock mecca in the same way that, you know, Coachella in
0: its early years was for alternative music. And again, I I don't want to get you in trouble here, Jason Newman. But like, would you even be willing to guess what some of these bands are making, uh, or artists are making for for a gig like this? There
5: were early estimates, and of course, this is unconfirmed. There were early estimates that it was looking at about four to five million uh, per group.
0: Well, that sounds right Uh, because uh, Coachella headliners can make around in the vicinity of. Two or three million. Yeah, it's, you know, about two million at, is the At the, the yeah, top tier. Right. Uh, and uh, this is kind of a Coachella on steroids in the sense that it's a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing.
5: Right. And they will – you know, obviously, they'll be certainly hyping up the fact that I mean, you really if, – if this does go off, you will never see this lineup combined ever again. Right. It's just not feasible.
0: So right. they will definitely be hyping that up a lot. Well, let's answer some more reader mail. Okay, this is from a commenter named Toby. They should add David Gilmore. He just blew minds <laughs> across the country, including this one in NYC. Why isn't David Gilmore there? Well, I, we can't really – I don't know if we can venture to guess, but do you have any opinions on this? We could on take this? one shot.
5: Uh, there is a man named Roger Waters oh. who he shared the bill with for a very popular band um, who is – allegedly confirmed for the bill it has always it, been a little odd between waters and gilmore so it's very possible that right. they don't want they to show the
0: stage who knows but you know, been, we Coachella, don't want to speculate but could have could, been a deal breaker. drake brought
5: out madonna last year guns and roses brought out angus maybe roger buries the hatchet again and brings out david and maybe they they'll just be who a david
0: gilmore hologram yeah for this yeah <laughs> tim and tupac Okay, another commenter asking uh, or commenting get in Brian Wilson as well. And there's actually another commenter 7 up 17 to go is the, the username saying wouldn't it be nice if the beach boys were there? question mark question mark question mark. Which which iteration of the beach boys? <laughs> Right, and uh, it that might be too much to ask because yeah. Brian Wilson and I know Mike Love just did a tour together, yeah. and I think Mike Love broke it off. There might be a little bit of animus sure. there. Again, we don't want to speculate, but it's and
5: and I and I would say to uh, to seven up seventeen to go. If that is your Christian name, uh, how much more do you need? There's so much good stuff on this bill. Like you could play that game forever, where it's you know why isn't so and so on the bill, and who knows maybe they add acts to this
0: but I don't know it's a pretty solid lineup so far if you're a rock fan Uh, this is the final comment from a username Dexoft if they're going to have these artists from the 60s then why not include black artists the same time the Beatles Dylan the Stones and the Who were selling millions of records so were the Temptations the Four Tops the Supremes Aretha Franklin Gladys Knight Smokey Robinson Marvin Gaye Curtis Mayfield and more funny how the music that most of the rock bands copied on their way to fame is now ignored all right, I, w- I will. I'll, I'll field this. I would say, the w- in fairness to the organizers of this, uh, the full lineup has not been announced. So we really, it's it's a little unfair to criticize them for the people who aren't there when they haven't actually said anything official. Right. But I think Dexoft makes an excellent point. I would agree, and uh, and a lot of the acts that he mentioned that are playing now,
5: in their current iterations, are probably playing theaters. You know, in the thousand to fifteen hundred range. So it is, you know. There's something to be said for the fact that a lot of these you know, black artists uh, from the 50s and 60s who are still doing it now are playing much smaller venues, but it probably warrants a much bigger conversation. than. And, it,
0: and I could also say there are, there are a lot of artists who are playing bigger venues who could be there. Somebody like Stevie Wonder would be amazing. Absolutely. So we'll see. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so, Jason, I expect you to be tracking this uh, <laughs> in the coming months, and you'll be keeping the, us
5: posted. The, the senior geriatric correspondent. <laughs>
0: That's right. Thank goodness you're on the case. No worries. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Thanks. And that's it for Rolling Stone Music Now. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts and read more about all these stories on rollingstone.com or in Rolling Stone Magazine.